Hey everyone, it's Peg Mulqueen with your latest episode of the Ashtanga Dispatch podcast. This week, I got the chance to catch up with Elia Wiese from Ashtanga San Diego. When Elia speaks, he speaks from the heart to the heart. His writing does the same, as evidenced in our first magazine edition of the Ashtanga Dispatch, where I received more tearful notes of gratitude from students all over the world from his essay entitled, The Call to Mysore, than really any other article in the magazine. Now, I'm not one for spoilers, but it's enough to say that in under an hour, we covered a lot of territory. From his passionate stand for any and every student's ability to be a practitioner of Ashtanga Yoga, all the way to a controversial online conversation thread had in a closed Facebook group about Parampara, the traditional teacher-student transmission of teaching, and, well, me. It was important to me that you hear our whole conversation, even though I admit our connection was spotty at times, and so there might be a few words here and there that'll be hard to catch. And yes, at some point I cry. The happy kind. Like I said, Aliyah has a way of touching the soul. So be prepared, because you might too. Yeah, you're a man of mystery a little bit to me, I won't lie. (laughs) I remember the first time um, I met you, and I think I recapped it for you the other day on email, because I don't ever think I told you exactly what an impression you made on me. Um, It had to have been... Well, when did you leave D.C.? Because it was right before you left D.C. Yeah, I left for India in September and went there to uh, Hawaii, moved from there to Hawaii. So that would have been like August of 2009 was the last time I was in, that I was living in D.C. We met a little, we actually met a little bit before that. Um, I don't recall exactly, but we met a little bit before that and you were... I think in either the Mysore class or one of Keith's classes. Okay. Yeah. I remember um, I wanted to do a silly video, and it was back when I had a little flip camera, and I had just started doing these crazy little things. I think I was just falling in love with the practice at that point, and I just wanted to videotape everything. And I went to Keith, and he's, of course, so shy, and so he pawned me <laughs> off on you. And... I watched you, and you were finishing up your practice, so I was um, being very, you know, quiet in the back, but you were actually just sitting and breathing, and I had never seen anyone, I know it sounds really weird to say that, but I'd never seen anyone that focused and absorbed, and then I didn't want to ask you. And then I was like, oh my God, I'm so embarrassed. Like now I'm going to, after, like he's, like you were in the midst of something so deep and I was about to ask you for something so shallow. And I was like, I can't do this, but I think I did anyway. (laughs) And you were adorable. You're, you're naturally I thought it was great. I never have a problem with somebody asking. I mean, I I may not say yes all the time. (laughs) You were so sweet. Far better to, yeah, you know. No, you were really sweet in your answer. And you just said you were, you know, very shy. And and I think that's pretty true. I mean, for a long time, I've, I've been, uh, like, relatively shy and, and 
I guess that probably comes off sometimes as mysterious or reclusive, especially with regards to the practice. But, um, you know, the past few years, uh, I think I've, I've learned a lot about the importance, or maybe not the importance, but I've, I've learned a lot about the, the benefits of, of sharing and being a little bit more open. And it's something that I'm, I'm trying to do better. I'm trying to, uh, to work on because, because I, I do real, real tangible benefit to, to others as well as myself, but, uh, particularly for others. You, um, you blew me away last year. Um, when I asked you if you would write something for the magazine on Mysore, um, the place, I didn't really ask for much more than that. And you were so lovely and agreed um, to write something. And when I read what you wrote, it blew me away. It was so heartfelt and so nothing like actually what I was thinking. I was thinking, oh, give us a description of what it's like. And, you know, you've been there so many times. And I thought that that's what you were going to come forth with. And what you came forth with was uh, not, at, not at all like that. Um, something so intimate and personal and beautiful that it wasn't just me that you touched. I received more emails and notes about your essay than anything else in the magazine last year. Well, that's, that's very kind. I mean, I, I, I think that's one of the reasons that it's always been a little hard for me to share uh, publicly is because it is often um, personal and intimate things that feel like are worth sharing. Um, that's just for me personally. I, when I go to say something or share something um, in general, uh, I, it's because I feel like it's important and I, and I hope that it, it will help somebody else either by you know opening the door for them or making them feel less alone in the world, these sorts of things. I mean, that's the power of, to me, that's the power of sharing our stories and our experiences. And so it's, it's sometimes hard for me because what I share is very, is oftentimes very, very intimate. And, um, you know, that, that obviously opens you up to a, a really vulnerable space, yeah. both in the act of sharing it. And then also obviously in the act of any, any received criticisms. It was moms that wrote me. It was moms. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot, I know that you know this, but one of the reasons I have not visited was because I was waiting for my kids to graduate. So Billy graduates this year. And so I'll be making my very first trip, his first year in college. Uh, it's a tough decision to make, I'm sure, for any parents that have visited. But being a parent alone is you know, it's, it's my first priority and it's, it's clearly your first priority. Um, it's just hard to juggle all of that. And you feel sometimes that you're not doing a good enough job on any arena, you know, like you're never right. doing enough or being enough. And when you wrote about not being able to visit, it made people cry because they understood and they, they, saw from your eyes that you went through the same and we're going through the same kinds of things with the same kinds of sacrifices and wantings that we all have. Right. 
I mean, it's a, um, you know, my... Seven. Uh, I took my first trip to Mysore in 2007, and um, my my life has gone through a variety of extremely dramatic um, changes. And it's in its yeah, gosh, I mean, it's it's even still sort of hard for me to talk about. But I mean, my life has changed so much over the past seven to eight years. I've always felt really strongly, even when I first started going to Mysore, that. It was an extreme privilege and a and a very particular opportunity that may or may not be right for other people. And I didn't ever, ever want to hold it up as something that um, entitled me or created a kind of hierarchy. It was something that I was able to do, and I'm very grateful for it. And I've learned a lot. And now, you know, I'm at a time in my life where trips to Mysore, they may not happen for a while. Um, and that's, that's been really difficult for me to talk to talk about with people. Um, but again, I, I feel like there's been a lot of benefit from talking about it. And, and that's why I've agreed to sort of do, do this interview and, and, and write the blogs that I'm trying to write and, and things. Um, but it's, it's really difficult for me because, you know, I may not be able to go back to Mysore for a very long time because of the custody agreement over my son. And, and that's, that brings up a whole mess of, of topics and, and think um, are very uh, difficult for people in general to talk about but also particularly for us to talk about as teachers within the Ashtanga Yoga tradition that go to Mysore and study with uh, either when it was Guruji and now Sharat and or Swati. So it brings up all of these sorts of issues. And when I wrote that essay um, and, and gave it to you, you know, I, I sort of touched on that in as much as, you know, now is a time when I am focused on my son and, and I mean, I've always been focused on yes, him since yes. he was born, but it's very particular to me. I, I can't imagine, um, with my custody agreement that I have and that that's really, like I said, complicated to talk about. It's very, it's been very interesting to feel and hear the support from moms, um, particularly, um, because I think a lot of them understand. And I think it's, it's also very interesting because being a dad, um, you know, I'm the one that's like for my son, I stayed at home, um, and, and, you know, the primary caregiver. And so there's just all sorts yeah. of issues that, that are surrounding it that are, I'm still really working hard to sort of disentangle and articulate again, because my primary goal in doing that isn't solely for my own benefit and growth, but is also that others don't feel like they are somehow lesser practitioners or somehow uh, lesser uh, teachers even maybe if they are unable to a choice not to, to, to take that trip to Mysore um, because because I have m met amazing practitioners who are mothers that have, have made the choice to stay home and not either leave their children for 
a month or two and or take them with them to a foreign country um, away from extended family for a month or two. And I've, I've just never felt like denigrating that choice was yeah. was reasonable or sensible. That, that doesn't <laughs> yeah. make any sense to me. But then there's also all these other sorts of uh, people uh, in scenarios where somebody may not be able to go to Mysore um, and make that trip and that sacrifice because of medical reasons, because of extended family that they're caring for. And I, I feel very strongly that, you know, those of us that have been lucky enough and privileged enough in every sense of that word, you know, socioeconomically privileged to be able to take a month off or two months off and go to a foreign country and live, you know, off of savings or, or what have you, like, um, that's, that's a real privilege and, and we should be respectful of that. And part of being respectful of that means not condemning others for not having that same opportunity or making that same choice. And, and I don't know if I'm articulating all of this you, very well, but it's just... No, you're articulating it beautifully. Um, you're making me cry. Because <laughs> uh, it's hard. And I think until you've gone through the struggle of having to make choices... Um, and to really struggle, you know, to really struggle with a choice, then you understand the value and the importance of both, you know, of all of it. It's, it's, it's right. because it's so important that makes it a struggle, you know, it's because it's so meaningful, um, in all of it. Right. Uh, right. And I've long told, you know, students that have come to me and said, oh, you know, should I go to Mysore? And I've long, my response is really not, not changed. Um, I mean, maybe I'm better at articulating it, but my response has always been, you know, if it calls to you, I mean, if you feel called to go and it's something you feel passionate about, then, you know, maybe and that, it does sound like something you should try to do. But if it doesn't, then, then you shouldn't. Don't, don't force yourself into the expectations put out there by, well, by the, by, by the community. Um, I mean, and that's the truth is, is that I think a lot of times it's, it is very hard because our words have power and our words have meaning. And sometimes we're unaware of that and we, we can say and speak about the importance of going to Mysore and how beautiful what we've learned and 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 these great things that are really true and and beautiful but maybe we don't realize how that might be making other people feel um who are either having to or choosing to uh, uh, create a different life for them you know whether it's for children or family or jobs or all sorts of things so you know i um you know, it's certainly not to point the finger at anybody because it's difficult to to articulate the importance to me of my trips to Mysore while simultaneously emphasizing that that may not be the right choice for somebody else and that that doesn't invalidate them. No, that came that came uh, through loud and clear in your essay uh, last year. And I can think of one person in particular, uh, she practices with us and she's been practicing for 15 years. Um, she has three children and they're, they're small. Um, 
And she's hit a place in her practice right now where she all of a sudden was getting ready to, to give it up. Uh, she was going to give it up because she felt not worthy because her smallest is about, oh my gosh, I think maybe two. And she has a six-year-old. She's also a midwife. Anyway, um, she felt like she couldn't. And she kept using these words. I can't be a real Ashtangi. I can't be a real one. And I feel so, and she cried and she said, I feel so unworthy and I don't even know why I should even bother because I can never be a real one. 15 years, she's been practicing that, steady. <laughs> that's, that, I mean, that is one example of the person or th that, that calls me out to, to speak with you now, to, to share about my experiences, to share about my feelings on these things, because that, I, I want to give that person I mean, so, like, I just want to give that person, I want to give them a space to practice and say, yeah. you are totally worthy. There's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with the choices you've made. You've made beautiful choices to be there for your child. That, that is yoga. I mean, I, I got into this physical asana practice through, through the books, through the text. And as near as I can tell, um, this person sounds like, like she's living the teachings of yoga extremely authentically, extremely um, devoutly. She sounds like a real Ashtangi more than, than somebody who would drop those commitments and go run off um, to, to, to Mysore and risk their child's college education, perhaps, or, or any number of things, you know, so... Again, I don't, I, I don't want to point fingers at any one individual and say like, oh, they, that person made a wrong choice. But I think we can all sort of recognize that um, family, doing your duty, you know, doing your job, um, taking, taking care of loved ones, taking care of yourself. I mean, like I said, maybe maybe you have a, a health condition that prevents you from, from international travel for long durations of time. If you have to see a doctor on a regular basis, a month in in a foreign country where you risk, you know, infection with malaria, it is no it's no laughing matter to somebody who maybe is already suffering from an autoimmune disorder or any number of things. So these are the sorts of people that, that come to me and say, you know, until I heard you say that or until I heard you write that, I felt, you know, I felt like I wasn't a real practitioner and like I hadn't really, you know, um, done my duty as, as a yoga practitioner. And, and that makes me, that makes me sad um, because I feel like that is our failure as a community to stand up for those people. That it's our opportunity to stand up and say, no, that's, that's not right. That's not right. You, you, are, you are more than worthwhile. You are a shining example of a yoga practitioner. You're more than just getting by. You are a stellar, phenomenal example of a yogi, not just an asana practitioner. You know, that's, that's our failure. And, and I think that our failure as a community has... has multiple fronts on which we need to sort of combat it or peacefully protest it. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Wow. 
Is this how the people's Ashtanga yoga has been born? I have watched this year, you know, I named you in, or, or the people's Ashtanga yoga is in, um, and I hope it's in for ever. Um, <laughs> but uh, I've, I, I first um, started seeing you kind of, every now and then you would mention things like that, but then when you came out with the uh, practice card, and you had your students, your your actual students, be the um, examples through the uh, in the asana card. It was amazing. I thought I wanted to take mine immediately off the shelf, and no, <laughs> it's great. Um. So yeah, that's that's got a sort of long and complicated history. Is all I mean. As you're probably seeing a, a, a either beneficial or unfortunate trend in me, which is to 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 never stop seeing the nuances and the complications in things, or the the complexities. Maybe is a is a better way to phrase that. But um, yeah, the people's Ashtanga Yoga. Well, that that actually having that phrase sort of turn around in my mind from. Um, a long time. I, I, I honestly can't tell you when it started, but I mean, I've long heard, you know, Guruji would, in his writings, say, and, you know, in people's conference notes with Guruji, you know, he'd say, Ashtanga Yoga is not mine. Ashtanga Yoga is Pantanjali's yoga. Um, Sharat, you know, also says, you can't patent yoga. You know, can you patent the sun? Um, you know, so, so uh, even these sort of figureheads within the lineage have long, within the Ashtanga Yoga lineage, have long sort of said, like, nobody nobody owns this. This isn't anybody's right. thing to own and control. Um, but, uh, so then, you know, the, like I said, the past few years have been really transformative for me. And I felt a real, coming from within me, I guess, a real calling sort of emphasize that point that that if you are practicing in a way that is that is a spiritual practice um, for you in your life in your context then then that then then you are an Ashtanga yoga practitioner I mean there are, that that lineage belongs to those who practice it that's all it doesn't belong to anybody else nobody else controls it nobody else owns it it is it, and it's and it's not even a thing to be owned. It is, um, you know, it is an experience to be had. And and you know if you're having it. You know if you're making sacrifices and and committing yourself to a spiritual discipline. You feel that. And nothing that I say or anybody says can take should be able to take that away from you. If you feel that that spiritual discipline within you. I can't come up to you and say, oh, no, that's not correct, Ashtanga Yoga, because you're doing the wrong drishti. Or the wrong I, I may feel very strongly that you are doing the wrong vinyasa or the wrong drishti, but that's a different thing. That's a drishti. That's an asana. That's not Ashtanga Yoga. Ashtanga Yoga is eight limbs. And if you are committing yourself to a spiritual discipline of eight limbs, who who, who is to come in and... Um, and, and take that away from you. So it's people's. And, and by that, I, I felt this need to sort of say, you know, it's not mine. Ashtanga San Diego, um, you know, what we're trying to do here, it doesn't belong 
it doesn't belong to me. I mean, yeah, I'm the one on the business, you know, my, my partner and I, you know, we're on the business license, but that's, that's not Ashtanga yoga. That's an, that's a, you know, permit to operate business again. Like these distinctions, they matter to me because, because if we, if um, people won't feel disenfranchised, people won't feel alienated, people won't feel like less of a practitioner when we're rigorous in saying, no, you are practicing Ashtanga Yoga. You may have to modify every single posture because of of an injury or, or any number of reasons. You may not be able to practice six days a week because you're working three jobs and, and catching some sleep in a car, you know, in between your jobs. That doesn't make you less of a practitioner. You know, that makes you that makes you a hardworking individual who's doing their best and, and probably sacrificing a lot more than than your than somebody who who, who doesn't have a, an, any employment and is able to go in six times a week. So these are the things that I that get me very passionate, obviously, um, is is making sure that people don't feel disenfranchised and making sure that people don't feel um, excluded and, and kept out. Um, and this phrase meant a lot to me. And so when it came time to sort of do a, a little practice card for our students, you know, new students that were coming in, I said, well, you know, again, this is, this is a, a, a discussion and a, and a revolution that I want to have on a variety of fronts. And articulating it and saying it is one thing. Living it is another. Doing it in practice. Here's one way I can do it in practice is I can photograph wonderful students who work so hard and sacrifice so much to get in there on a daily basis or a near daily basis and uh, you know and and practice really hard and they're they're Ash, they're Ashtanga yoga practitioners they are they are model Ashtanga yoga practitioners because they come from all walks of life they're all shapes and sizes and I love that they all agreed to do it. One that they let me photograph them and put their <laughs> their their faces and their bodies all up over the the internet. You know, so first off, like it's a big shout out to to them. They're they're wonderful, and I owe them a lot. Um, and so that was sort of just one way to sort of have this dialogue and this discussion. You know, this is the people's Ashtanga yoga. Look at its variety. Look at its definitions. Or its its differences in forms. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. They 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 all look very different. They're very different bodies and people, and they have very different lives, and that's awesome. I you know I think that's a beautiful thing and a fantastic thing. Um, but I have to say that the phrase "the people's Ashtanga Yoga" um, it took on a new sense of urgency for me. Um, and here's where I'll, I'll single out um, because. You know, th this is one of those things where, you know, uh, I probably won't make some friends, but it took on a new sense of urgency for me when um, a discussion was had in a closed Facebook group about you and the legitimacy of you um, doing, like, these interviews and, um, you know, doing that magazine. And, um, you know, I have to say, first off, so many people stepped up and sort of said, you know, this, this is neat to be questioning this person's legitimacy. Um, and that was wonderful to see. I mean, I got to say, like, that filled my heart because that's, that just goes to show you that there's a lot of wonderful people in yeah. the community that, that recognize the, 
um, nobody has has the the rights to control this discussion, this dialogue, this this beautiful, amazing um, that is sort of flowing through the world. Nobody has a right to control that and say who can and who cannot have a discussion about it. Um, so a lot of people stepped up, and that was that was beautiful to see. But a few people spoke out rather vehemently against, um, you know, a non-authorized yeah. teacher, non-certified teacher, sort of having the the legitimacy or the uh, the yeah the legitimacy to to conduct or sort of. Um, um, hold space for a discussion about Ashtanga Yoga. And that just didn't make, that made no sense to me. To the point that somebody actually wrote, um, you know, I, I, I think we need to be careful about who we let, um, you know, speak for. And that, that, that gave me a new sense of urgency about what I'm doing and, and, and what I'm trying to articulate here with you right now and also in my actions when I teach and, and, uh, when I write. And that is, um, that that's, that's, that's not, your parampara is not something you own. Parampara is not something you, you buy. And, you know, maybe it's my academic background and, and too much reading of Edward but it just, it stank of, um, a sort of, Western colonialism of you know we've 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 flown on over to to the Indian subcontinent and bought a little piece of paper that entitles us to a little subaltern identity and and now we have to fiercely protect it as ours as something we've bought and I, I was just, so I just I couldn't couldn't do that I couldn't participate in that sort of mindset and so I actually I left the group um, I didn't that's 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 not what I've learned from Guruji it's not what I've learned from Shrat, um, let alone what I've learned from David Ingalls um, there in in DC and and um, and it's certainly not what I've learned from the greatest yoga practitioner and teacher I've ever met and not some super biased but Kate I mean Kathy King is somebody that you should without a doubt speak to. Um, but that's something that. we can sort of talk about later, yeah. yeah. Um, so it's not, you know, that sort of like ownership of the parampara and control of the parampara is, is something that I just didn't feel comfortable. I felt very uncomfortable with on a, on a very powerful and, and have felt a real need to sort of emphasize that, you know, this is Anybody who takes practice is practicing and don't delegitimize them and don't take it away from them. They have a right to it just as much as, as somebody who has gone to India um, and, and has, for whatever reason, um, been given authorization or certification. And um, so I've really taken that up as something that's just, it's really important to me. And it's something that I try to instill in my students here. And it's something I try to instill with anybody I speak to that, you know, Ashtanga yoga is Pantanjali's yoga. Ashtanga yoga is eight-limbed yoga. 
everybody has a right to it. Nobody should be kept away from it. Nobody should be excluded from it. Um, and nobody has the right to, to, to control. We all have a right to sort of say, well, I think this is the right way to do this asana, or I think this is the right jersey <laughs> to take, but, you know. Yeah. No, I have to tell you, you again just blew me away. I didn't know we were, you would even bring um, that up. Uh, yeah, it was, it was painful. And of course, I don't, you know, nobody listening to this will know this, but you didn't even uh, tell me about it. You just simply uh, stood by me in a really powerful way. And I never read the thread and never asked to. The only thing that mattered to me was to know that the people that I look up to and respect, um, it was so meaningful to me to have, to have you speak out in that way that it really wasn't as hurtful as probably it should have been. It, it felt so good to me to hear that there were these people out there that believed like I did that this should be for like, I just feel so passionately. And so it's, it's really changed my life. So I obviously want people, I want to share this, you know, I want to share right. um, what I have fallen in love with, right. That I, I want to share that piece um, with, with anybody and maybe make those connections that they haven't had before. Um, I feel so passionately about that. And to hear that there are other people that shared that same passion and were willing and courageous enough to stand up in a closed group, um, you know, on me, you know, Miss Little Facebook personality uh, with a video camera is like, <laughs> it, was, it was really meaningful because there were people like me out there um, who feel like I do. And... I don't know. And the, those of you that I, you know, you, I respect so much and love so much and have learned from, um, to hear that you were so powerful, um, in your stance was so meaningful that it just washed away any hurt that should have, or could have, uh, been left behind. Well, I should, you know, I should, I should say, or I, I, I feel compelled to say, I mean, there were, there were many that yes. stood up and, who who don't know you in the least and and also people who who maybe for all I know maybe they don't care for for the the projects that you do I mean and that was that was for me a very beautiful thing was that yes. it, it, it's not about it's not a personal matter in as much as well Peg Peg is an old friend and so I'm going to stick up for her right it's a matter of, of like right like I don't I don't think that this is right I we don't we don't own this parampara. We don't control it. Um, I, you know, I, I um, yeah, and I, a lot of people felt that way. And a lot of people felt that it was not, um, you know, that it was not good form to be criticizing somebody in a closed group where they didn't have a chance to sort of defend yes. themselves and their actions. So a lot of people spoke up. And I think, I think, Again, that is such a beautiful thing because what it does is it shows you there are so many wonderful teachers out there yeah. that are like under the radar. Yes. That, you know, they don't need to post 
asanas selfies and no. again that's not to criticize asana no. selfies because i know you like but like <laughs> it's just they're just sitting there teaching and they have powerful messages yeah. um i have met some of the most really amazing beautiful people that that do go to mysore and and make that trip mm-hmm. on a regular if mm-hmm. not yearly basis and and are very advanced asana practitioners so I have met those people. They they're they're there and they're really cool and, yeah. and really um well spoken, far better than I and more experienced and it's just a great thing to see um people sort of stand up politely, you know, professionally, I guess, uh, you know, politely company that's the word I'm looking for um and say, you know, we 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 should be more welcoming and understanding um, of of others and otherness in general. Um, this yoga has has taught me many things, and and first and foremost, it's that you know, everywhere looking, God seeing, you know, um, which is to say that you know, I'm gonna say by that sort of short phrases that that this yoga has taught me that. Um, you know, my path is not the only, and thank goodness, um, it's, there are so many paths and there are so many ways and I've learned to better articulate and show my love and respect for all of those paths and all of those choices. Um, and I just, I hope that what I can sort of do with, you know, the people's yoga, I guess, or saying that is sort of continually emphasizing that this is every, everybody's got their own journey. And, um, before you go, before you're too quick to judge somebody, you know, before you're, before you go visit some shala in, in another part of the world on your travels and, and you're quick to judge somebody because they're modifying something I mean, they may be, they may be doing that because they shattered their knee five times or, or, you know, they've had reconstructive spinal surgery or, or, you know, an autoimmune disorder or, you know, or or they, you know, they may just be, like I said, working three jobs. I mean, you just never know until you really get to know somebody. You can't, you, you can't stand in judgment on your soapbox. No. It's, it's a hard lesson um, to learn. I think that 10 years ago, and maybe that's why I, I feel a lot of compassion even around anybody that can stand on a soapbox because the only reason I can't is that I've been pushed off it so many times and fallen so hard <laughs> that I've learned not to crawl back up on there again. Um, Fair enough. You know? Like... <laughs> Yeah, um, I'm going to change the topic a little, but not, not a whole lot because it goes into the photographing and um, the posting. And basically, I noticed that you uh, photograph and post a lot, uh, but not yoga asana. <laughs> you um, have a, another passion, Yes. Yeah, I can sort of talk about that. I mean, especially with with regards to what we're speaking about here. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I I you know I I've gotten used to f- 
photographs of asanas. Um, I got, you know, at David in at David Ingalls place, uh, Ashtanga, uh, DC. Um, you know, I they had photograph. He had photographers mm-hmm. in maybe once or twice. Um, I, extremely at the Shala in Mysore. It's been there. They've videoed. Um, you know, some documentaries have even mm-hmm. come out and stuff from the video footage. Um, I got extremely comfortable with it mm-hmm. in Greenwich, Connecticut. I mean, they had maybe three photographers on at a single time when Sherat came right. the first year to open it. So with regards to like being photographed while practicing, um, it doesn't really phase me anymore. I mean, demonstration, you know, doing demonstrations with Sherat and, and, and having the photographs sort of happen over the years has, has gotten me pretty, I, I don't, I don't really notice it. I just keep practicing. I just, right. I just focus on what I'm doing. Photo shoots. I mean, I, I've agreed to, I think maybe three photo shoots in my in my life. Um, the first was in Hawaii. This guy, this guy just want he he was um, partner of, of a student and said uh, that he wanted to uh, photograph me practicing. And I said, you know, I sort of was joking and said, yeah, sure, you know, be here at, at three a.m. and no problem. Careful what you ask and, for. <laughs> Right, right, exactly. You know, that's what I was thinking. Was like, yeah. well, he won't do it. He'll be like, no, that's all right. But he showed up, so I was impressed and let him. You know, like I just kept practicing, and, and he took some photographs and did some beautiful, you know, some beautiful work. And you know, I, I thought, well, hey, yeah, you know, if you're willing to get up and and come, like that's great. Um, and then while I was in Greenwich, you know, I mean. You know, I was asked to go to Greenwich and open that studio, and I and I really committed myself to sort of doing anything I could to make it feed right. um, for a lot of reasons. So one of those things that I could do to help make it succeed um, was, you know, work with the area yoga community. And Lululemon was there, and All right. fabulous, fabulous ladies at the Greenwich Lululemon. I'd have to give a shout out to Katie and um, Ellie, the photographer. Uh, one of the photographers there, and um, uh, Marla, um, the the whole crew there were, were really nice, and they really got it. Like they understood sort of that. Like we're probably not going to come to the CrossFit class, and we're not going to come to <laughs> other yoga classes. Like, and you know, we do this weird mindset. You know, like they just really they got it, and they were yeah. super supportive, and they wanted to do studio of the month and they asked me to be an ambassador and I mean it was all just very nice and, and supportive like I say of you know when I said things like I was like well I said I, I don't mind if you, you know if we want to do a photo shoot that's fine but you know I don't I don't want to get all cleaned up and fancy for like if I'm gonna be sweaty because that's what it looks like when I practice and they were supportive of that and so the picture they had of me like I was dripping with sweat anyway I've, I've so never I, seen any I, of these pictures well, that's probably good because I'm still shy about it. But um, so I did that, and then I felt very lucky and and honored to do one other photo sort of session with the great photographer Tom Rosenthal. Right, really nice guy, just just a sort of great all around guy. And um, he offered, and and I accepted. Um, 
again, because what I had seen in him was like a, a photographer's project. Yes. It was much less about the individual and them doing a particular asana and much more about this, like trying to communicate the experience of the practice. Uh, I mean, this is how I saw his work. He, he may listen to this and be like, oh my gosh, you missed it totally, Eliab. But <laughs> I saw him as trying to photographically, you know, com- convey this creation of an internal sanctuary and an internal temple and an internal an inner sanctum and so his his photographs to me really reflected that and so i agreed i agreed to do it and i don't regret that at all um i learned a lot uh both about photography from him um as well as um um about you know what he was sort of trying to do as a project and so I, so th- those are the only times I've sort of offered my body up for photographic selfies, I guess, if you, if you want to call no. them that. No, that's the thing is I um, know of Tom's photo, but... of course, because it was in, we used his image in the magazine and it is uh, really beautiful. Um, but what I'm laughing is, is that I've never seen any of the photos that you're talking about. I always see the photos that you post of... Uh, animals of dogs of pups of homeless pups I mean and they're beautiful photographs too by the way which I think you take um a lot of them are with your photo credit with um a wide array of other photos that are equally as stunning but the the pups I love yeah I love photography and and I love um I mean I love dogs and and sort of doing that um is something that I, I I really love I mean we, my partner and I, you know, we're very lucky that we get to sort of go and help out some dogs that are in need. Um, I mean, she's got a heart, you know, size of, and just whenever she sees a dog in need, which in India, in you know, can happen a lot. Yeah. Um, and it's something that we, that she and and our son Ananda really shared. And they really bonded over um, helping out the dogs uh, there in India, and that was really beautiful. Um, so it's it's something, and there's also there's there's sort of a long history that I I, I don't think I want to get into, but there's a long history of of the representation of the dog in in um, in the Indian subcontinent and sort of how they're treated and traditionally or, mm-hmm. or classically in literature and, and whatnot. So there's something I think very powerful about, you know, these dogs, these street dogs, these dogs that are cast aside, there's such devotion in them. Um, beautiful creatures and, and if well and raised, raised right and taken care of, um, offer up so much love and usually still offer up so much love. I mean, you know, I know you lost, yeah. lost a, a four legged friend, not, not long ago. Um, yeah. and it stings. I mean, it burns it like, like really bad. So <laughs> I, I do that work because I love it. And because I think it, um, and the reason I share it, I mean, I would do it anyway. Uh, but the reason that I share it is because I think it conveys some really, again, you know, powerful emotional messages about um, about us, about what we are capable of as, as human beings, both the best and the worst of us, about um, 
you know, the, the beauty that is all around us and other living creatures, not just, not just humans, but other animals. And, and so, so yeah, I, sh- I share that and I do that instead of asana selfies and whatnot. Um, I mean, for one thing, I'm, I'm too busy. Like I'm practicing when I'm practicing and, and you know, I don't know, like it doesn't really, I mean, I guess I could set up a camera before I start maybe. Um, it just, it's, it's just not me. It's, that's, that's not what I'm there for. Um, I don't care if I'm practicing any asana, like that, that time that I put sort of there for me on my mat is time for spiritual practice. And it's not that a camera isn't welcome there. It's that that's not where my mind is. My mind is, is on something else. Um, so, so yeah, that's why, like I say, I don't, it's not that I think asana selfies are some terrible scourge of the earth or something like that. It's just that my mind when I'm practicing is, is, is in a different mode and, um, it's not the photographic mode. It's not the, the image making mode. It's the, the spiritual practice mode. And maybe, maybe for some people, those, those sort of cross and blend and, and that's cool. Yeah. You know, like, um, but I do think that. We, again, sort of as, a, as the Ashtanga community or as the yoga community, um, I do think it's something to be cognizant of that if we're, if that's all we're sharing, or even if that's primarily we're share, what we're sharing, what is that that we're communicating to others um, with regards to the practice? I mean, if, if, if I'm sort of constantly sharing my backbending asana with with the world what the, what am i what am i sharing what is it that i'm actually sharing um am i actually sharing something about the practice or sharing a, a picture of a particular body in a particular form um and how is that going to make somebody else feel you know are they going to feel like oh it, you know that inspires me i really want to go study with that teacher or i really want to go study that that sort of spiritual discipline is it going to inspire them to do that? I, I don't know. I, it's, I mean it as a genuine question. Um, I think mm-hmm. some people it might. I think that sometimes what I'm hearing you say, which, which I love, is that we use, we have to be authentic to who we are and where our passions lie. And I see so many parallels in what you're doing, um, both in the yoga world and in your personal life. And it really seems to be championing, you know, being, being there, the voice for those that don't have one, um, or giving strength to those who feel weakened. And it's a really powerful thing uh, that you're doing. And I recognize it and I feel it all the way across the country. And your essay spoke to it, your work with the pups speak to it, your role as a dad. And, you know, I see you and, and your family over there and your community. Um, you're there, you know, for the ordinary, um, who don't necessarily always have or or feel like they have a place. I hear you saying, yes, you do. And you're welcome. That's what I see. Well, that, that means a lot to me that that is communicated. Um, I mean, and I mean that, that, that really means a lot to me because that is that is what I'm trying to communicate um, in a variety of ways and forms, and 
I've I've learned a lot over the past few years. Um, you know, I I served for a long time um, in you know an abusive relationship uh, where there was there was this sort of false sense in me that I just needed to be quiet about it and not talk about it and not share about it and just deal with it and, and be strong. And, and, um, and yet there I was sort of, you know, championing, like you're saying, you know, um, you know, trying to advocate for those who, who didn't feel like they had a voice and didn't feel like they could sort of share what they were experiencing and going and so it's been a real transformation for me these past few years and, and I've had family you know my parents um, have just been outstanding amazing supporters um, Kathy has just been you know the best friend uh, I could ever imagine and my son has been such a source of brilliant wisdom and, and innocent and and strength and sort of being able to stand up and you know um say you know uh no you know this this abusive situation isn't right and i'm gonna leave it um i'm gonna do everything i can to fight for my son um no you know to, to stand up and say no this isn't right this treatment isn't right and and we don't get we you, you, you know, I, I'm not sure how to say it, but it's like uh, every, every moment is an opportunity to stand up for what is right. Every moment is an opportunity to sort of stand up and say, I'm not going to just stand idly by and mm-hmm. watch injustice. Mm-hmm. And that can be big, like fighting for, you know, liberal. Uh, recognition and, and sort of, you know, big topics, but it can also be on the very daily intimate within your own self, your relationship to others, um, and your relationship to the community. And, and so, yeah, I've, I've, I have felt within myself a real urgency to, to stand up more and more and say to everybody, you do matter. You, you do have a place by all means, come and practice. We have, we have college students and we have senior citizens. We have, um, you know, scholars and we have, uh, you know, uh, body piercers. Like we, we have everybody. You do have a place to come and practice. You know, I can't, I, I can't promise anything out in the rest of the world, but I can do this. This is what I can do. I can give you this space where you can come in and. Together, we can do our best to give you the space to have a spiritual practice that is yours, not mine. I didn't, I didn't give it to you. I'm just helping sort of facilitate that space, but it's yours, and you can then take it wherever you need to go. If you need to go home, if you need to go you know, deal with an abusive situation, or if you need to deal with uh, inequities at work or at the world in, at large political, you know, hopefully that spiritual practice has, you can carry it with you through your day and sort of help it, allow it inform the rest of your day so that you can sort of continually stand up and say, you know, 
no, this isn't right. I'm, I'm going to do the right thing. Even if it's not easy, even if it's hard, even if everybody else is going to ridicule me, I'm going to do the right thing because that is what me to yoga in the first place was this inner strength that these texts spoke of, this inner strength of will to do the right thing, to see goodness and God everywhere and, and acknowledge that and respect that and, 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 and act in accordance with that to the greatest extent possible. I mean, you know, every, every moment's a challenge, don't get me wrong. But, you know, yeah. Man. I hope that um, that you're going to write again for the next one. There will be another one. And um, I'm so grateful that I have you as a teacher in my life. I'm really, as usual, you speak right to my heart. And um, I'm just really grateful that you are willing to put yourself out there and to share and um, to speak. Because I know you're speaking to me. But you're not. You're speaking to millions of people like me, and um, and uh, by sharing this piece of yourself, uh, you give us strength, and you give us a place. And thank you, thank you. I, I'm I'm happy to do what I can, and I just I wish I could do so much, but. Um... Yeah, it's it's really the students. It's you. It's me. Every time we we take a practice, we give ourselves all that strength. We give ourselves all of that, and good teachers facilitate that. Good teachers make a space for that. Yeah. So. Oh, Alaya, thank you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> this is oh. amazing. Um, I hope I didn't. I mean, if you want to, we we can talk about Johnny Shushasana. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have to leave something for the next podcast. So, Johnny Shushasana. Yes. We'll put that. We'll put that on the next one. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so grateful to teachers like Alaya, who, as he once told me to do, fight the good fight and stand up for those who can't stand for themselves. Fight for them. Fight for the good in the world. You might lose, but you can look at yourself and your child in the eyes and know you did your best. Alaya, I will do my best. And I hope you at home will too. Follow hashtag the people's Ashtanga Yoga on Twitter and visit AshtangaSD.com where you'll not only find Elias' regular teaching schedule, but also a copy of his essay, The Call to Mysore, on a blog he keeps tucked away on the site. And thank you for tuning in today. Make sure you don't miss future episodes, including our next two guests, Tim Feldman and Kino McGregor, by subscribing to this podcast on iTunes. We appreciate you listening and could use your support. If you or someone you know would like to help sponsor future episodes, please let us know on ashtangadispatch.com. This episode is the brainchild of our editor and producer, Chris Lucas, and hosted by me, Peg Queen. Thanks again, and see you next time. <laughs>